Hello and welcome to the Lancet Neurology podcast. I'm Richard Lane and it's February the 12th, 2019. Hello, I'm Michael Irwin. I'm a distinguished professor of psychiatry and biobehavioral sciences at the UCLA Debbie Geffen School of Medicine. Dr. Irwin, many thanks indeed for talking to the Lancet Neurology about your review in the March issue of TLN. We're talking about sleep and its possible links with dementia. I mean, first of all, just generally, how important is sleep in relation to good health? Well, sleep is very important for good health. It's, uh, poor sleep is associated with a number of major medical disorders, cardiovascular disease, certain cancers, uh, rheumatoid arthritis. But we also know that sleep has a very important role in maintaining brain health. And sleep benefits the consolidation of memory. Uh, conversely, when you have sleep disturbance, it contributes to cognitive decline. And it's thought that that, that contribution is to, uh, contributes to the heightened risk of Alzheimer's disease. We don't really know exactly how that's occurring, but there are several possibilities. One is that sleep disturbance may increase beta amyloid burden, which is an early disease marker for Alzheimer's disease. And we also know that sleep disturbance induces systemic inflammation. And inflammation, it turns out to be a very early event in the course of Alzheimer's disease. And what about sleep patterns and aging? Do they change with age? Yes, there are really very substantial changes in sleep and its underlying circadian rhythm with human aging. There's a number of factors that contribute to the higher incidence of insomnia symptoms in older adults. One is that there may be age-related changes in what we call sleep or homeostatic drive. Essentially, the drive to have sleep is lower as we age. And this is often due to changes in the circadian timing as well. Additionally, medical and psychiatric comorbidities, which are very common in older adults, as well as their treatments, can complicate or lead to problems with sleep. Thirdly, things like uh, sleep disorders of sleep apnea, restless leg syndrome, and other movement disorders are also more common in older adults. And finally, there's just a whole host of behavioral, environmental, social factors, which all can occur as we age, which compromise sleep quality. So together, these factors substantially increase the likelihood of uh, developing problem sleeping. In fact, insomnia symptoms are very common in older adults uh, older than 60 years of age, with nearly 50% of such uh, older adults uh, having insomnia symptoms. When these insomnia symptoms actually uh, yield problems during the day, which occurs in about 10 to 20% of adults, that's about twice-fold greater in adults that are older than 60 years of age. There's a number of factors that contribute to sleep problems and aging, and in fact, that leads to a substantial increase in the, in the reported uh, problems with sleep as we age. Uh, the final point I want to make on this is that women, as they age, are particularly sensitive to these factors and show are much greater risk for developing sleep disturbance than men. Thank you. That's interesting. And of course, your, your review discusses the association between sleep disturbances and Alzheimer's disease dementia. So just following on from what you're just saying, what is the definition for sleep disturbances? Clearly, we've got to be clear as to what that definition is first. We have to think about what insomnia is. Insomnia really can be identified in four categories. There could be simply insomnia symptoms, insomnia complaints that have daytime consequences, such as 
fatigue and depressed mood. There can be dissatisfaction with sleep quality and quantity, and then ultimately insomnia disorder. And it's those latter three that are really characterized as sleep disturbance. So let me come back to the notion about insomnia symptoms. Many of us will have, uh, from time to time, difficulty falling asleep, or we wake up in the middle of the night and can't go back to sleep. And because they're so common and they don't produce any daytime impairments, those insomnia symptoms, even though they may be a little bit bothersome, uh, don't rise to the uh, level of having insomnia complaints. Insomnia complaints is when you are having difficulty sleeping, that kind of difficulty leads to problems during the day where you just feel like your sleep was not restful, you didn't get restorative sleep, uh, and you ultimately have some fatigue or depressed mood or difficulty with the concentration during those, those days. When the insomnia symptoms uh, occur for several repeatedly across the week, and then for a chronic that is uh, lasting for three months or longer, that is an actually an insomnia disorder. So there's a progression of the severity of the insomnia symptoms, from the symptoms to complaints to dissatisfaction to impairments during the day, and then the chronicity of that ultimately leads to insomnia disorder. Many studies have looked at sleep problems in community or epidemiologic samples, and when they do so, they characterize sleep disturbance using a variety of different criteria. And so when you're trying to evaluate the association between sleep and the risk of cognitive decline or Alzheimer's disease, it's important to look at that broad range of literature where insomnia complaints, difficulties with sleep quality, insomnia disorder are grouped together to characterize sleep disturbance. Thank you. And in terms of disruptions that are taking place at the molecular and cellular levels to do with sleep disturbance, what can you tell us about that? It's very uh, striking that sleep disturbance, even when it's for just part of the night, produces a really robust changes in the molecular machinery that regulate inflammatory pathways. And our group, and uh, confirmed by uh, other investigators, have found that sleep loss induces this activation of what we call upstream markers of inflammation. They turn on the inflammatory signaling pathways with an activation of transcription factors such as nuclear factor kappa B and AP1, and as well as changes in the STAT family proteins. And these kinds of molecular changes ultimately turn on the genes that lead to the expression of pro-inflammatory cytokines the activation of monocytes, which are the circulating cells of, that predominantly produce pro-inflammatory cytokines in humans and, and animals, and an activation of those monocytes to produce greater amounts of pro-inflammatory cytokines. Uh, ultimately, what we found as well is that these molecular and cellular changes are translated to increases in systemic inflammation, which can be detected by the primary care physician or by uh, in the clinical setting with increases in C-reactive protein, which is a, a marker of acute, of acute phase response, a very robust marker of systemic inflammation, as well as increases in pro-inflammatory cytokines, such as interleukin-6 and tumor necrosis factor. In fact, in adults that are over 50,000 adults have been systematically evaluated, uh, we find that increases in inflammation occur in association with sleep disturbance, as I defined above. And to conclude, Dr. Irwin, some great insights here about the association between sleep disturbance 
and Alzheimer's disease dementia. Where next for, for research in this area, do you think? Well, I think what's really key is the evidence that systemic inflammation leads to changes in in an activation of what we call the, a microglia in the cell. It primes that microglia. And that priming of that microglia leads to increases in inflammation at this level of the at the level of the brain in the central nervous system. That primed microglia also can no longer clear amyloid as well as it did before. And so what you end up is with a, a cell that becomes activated that cannot clear microglia that in turn is producing more pro-inflammatory cytokines. So there's a feed-forward loop where you get an acceleration of amyloid deposition with this that with this priming of this microglia. And all that's driven, in fact, we think, by systemic inflammation as an early marker to prime that microglia. And furthermore, the sleep disturbance, which, which also is occurring, can lead to that increases in inflammation. Now, what's really striking is, I think it, why this is very novel, is that most clinicians often thought of sleep disturbance as simply a consequence of Alzheimer's disease. And we know that people that have Alzheimer's disease have very significant sleep disturbance because of an alterations in their circadian pacemaker. But what we're now discovering is that sleep is prospectively associated with Alzheimer's disease, the beta amyloid deposition, and we think it's driven in part by the increases in systemic inflammation. I think it's also very important to frame our understanding of of risk factors for Alzheimer's disease. And I think back to a, a recent review about looking at a whole variety of modifiable risk factors, of lifestyle factors, of education, hypertension, obesity, late life depression, diabetes, physical activity, and social isolation. And it's interesting, when you look at each of these, all these factors together, they account for over 35% of dementia risk. In addition, Sleep disturbance is also contributing to that risk, and it's also interacting with each of these modifiable risk factors. So I think what we really need are, as we're moving forward with the trials to prevent the risk of developing Alzheimer's disease by targeting these lifestyle uh, factors is to couple with these interventions the treatment of sleep disturbance, which is not only reducing the inflammation, which may, may trigger, in fact, this Alzheimer's disease risk, but can interact with all these other risk factors to lower their likelihood of contributing. For example, when you're sleeping better, you're more likely to engage in physical activity than when you're not sleeping. We know that sleeping also can improve risk for late life depression. It can lower the risk for diabetes. So all these factors are really very important. And we now have the tools to disseminate uh, treatments for sleep disturbance at broadly at the community level to target very large numbers of people that have this sleep disturbance and uh, potentially uh, alter their trajectory for Alzheimer's disease risk. It's a really fascinating topic. Thank you so much for your time. And clearly, we're going to hear a lot more about research in this area. But in the meantime, Dr. Michael Irwin, many thanks indeed. You're very welcome. Thank you.